The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, Brad Whisker, guess what's happening tonight? I think we have a football game. We do indeed. In fact, I think it's going to be a great football game. Joining us on the line right now from Vancouver, the voice of our, uh, your Edmonton Eskimos, Morley Scott. Hey, Morley. Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm doing good, pretty good. 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 You? I'm very good, thank you. Beautiful day here in Vancouver. They're going to have the uh, roof open tonight for the football game. Uh, no rain in sight, which is sometimes not... unusual for this town. It's like 28 degrees, hot and sunny here today. I know it's a... Uh, pretty hot back in Edmonton. A little little uh, smoky, though, right? We know which way the wind's blowing, don't we? Well, we do indeed. There's some hot air coming from the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Morley, let me ask Funny. you a question. Yeah. If you were to describe the season so far for the Edmonton Eskimos, and you were to describe the season so far for the BC Lions, aside from their record, but just their their play and their weaknesses and their strengths... And you took the names of the two teams off the top of the page. Mm-hmm. Would you have a hard time figuring out which team was which? Uh, watching them, I don't. I don't think so. I think the Eskimos are uh, are a much better team than the BC Lions right now. The Lions are. I, I, they feel are getting better, but the, the Eskimos have been more consistent. They've 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 been better on offense all season long. The Lions have struggled. They've had to switch quarterbacks. Uh, mid-season this year, so I I think it'd be easy to tell them apart. See, I think uh, I look at the weaknesses of the Lions, and then I think about the complaints I've had about the Eskimos, but you're right. The Eskimos have been shoring things up on the offense and especially on the defense, but you look at the number of points that are left on the field that BC's done. Um, Eskimos have sort of struggled with that early in the season as well. Perhaps I should have put it that way. If you look to the first two or three games of the Eskimos compared to the BC season, they're very similar in that regard. They've had problems on defense as well. They've. It just feels like these are two teams, that, and they've both been offensively dangerous. Yeah, they both have weapons for sure, but the, the Lions haven't been putting up the kind of points the Eskimos have, and, and they've been giving up more. Uh, they've, they've just, to me, they're just, uh, the Eskimos, if, if you want to say they've had kind of the same issues this year, the Eskimos have done a much better job solving their mm-hmm. issues yep. uh, and, and creating them uh, creating themselves a better football team than the BC Lions. And, you know, you look at it now, the Eskimos have won three in a row and are playing very well. The BC Lions are playing okay, but they've lost two in a row. They've only got two wins this year. Now, both uh, of those wins are at home, though, right? Both at home, yes. They've lost all four games they've played uh, on the road so far this year. So, um, yeah, it's uh, BC's, BC's got some issues, but they, they kind of feel they're turning the corner because they made the switch at quarterback and uh, brought in Travis Lule uh, to play the last three games. This will be his fourth start. And since then, they've, they've moved the ball better. They've gone deeper downfield. The receivers have started to, to get open a little bit better. So they feel they've turned it around despite the fact that they've lost two games, their last two games, both close games. I think it was four points in Ottawa and by eight points in Calgary last week. So uh, when you can stay within eight points of a team that's now 7-0 and and the best team in the league by all reports, I guess you can hang your hat on that. But there's, as uh, Travis Lule was uh, was telling me yesterday, and we'll hear the interview tonight on our pregame show, which begins at 6 o'clock, is you got to take the positives from a loss, but you can't let the positives in a loss think that you've solved your problems. You still have a lot of work to do because you're losing. So, um, you know, there are positives for the Lions, but they're still not winning football games. And, you know, it's fine to say, yeah, we played pretty good, but 
when you play pretty good and still lose, then you got an issue because you make it sound like you know you're you're playing better, but you're still not winning. So now you've gone through a phase where you didn't play well and lost. Now you're playing better and you're still losing. So that tells me you still got a long way to go. Morley, it's almost a certainty week in, week out that Mike Riley and Duke Williams are going to show up. There's no doubt about it. Now, to me, tonight seems like a night where a secondary receiver could emerge, and Kenny Stafford's been getting a lot of touches. Do you think he could have a big night? Uh, he could. I mean, uh, that was the case last week because uh, the, the Riders did a great job in, in holding uh, Duke Williams down. He had two catches for 41 yards against the Riders last week, and then it was uh, Darrell Walker who came on and had 154 yards on six receptions. So that's the beauty of it. Uh, this Eskimos offense has guys like Duke Williams, like Darrell Walker, like Kenny Stafford, and they're soon to add Vidal Hazelton to the list. They've got Brian Mitchell waiting in the wings trying to get into the lineup, and he's a good receiver. Plus, if the receivers aren't working, we'll just give the ball to C.J. Gable, who had 165 yards rushing last time they played the B.C. Lions, and currently is on pace for his best season in the Canadian Football League. And that's, that's the beauty of this offense, is that they have so many weapons, and you double cover one guy, you take one guy out, well, we're just going to go to the other guy and kill you. And that's, that's kind of been the Eskimos' M.O. For the most part, it's been Duke Williams, who up until last week had the five straight 100-yard games, tying an Eskimo record set by Brian Kelly back in 1983, leads the league in receiving. But if you take him away, which will be team's focus for the most part, then we're going to give the ball to Darrell Walker. And if you take him away, then we're going to give it to Kenny Stafford. If you take him away, well, we'll probably go back to Duke Williams then. So <laughs> it's basically three glasses of poison, and you have to pick which one you're drinking. Yeah, you know what I've liked uh, seeing the most, uh, or the improvement which I've noticed the most, uh, which I'm uh, happiest about, is the uh, average number of yards on first down. Because I think the Eskimos are averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 7.5 or 7.6.7. Lead the league lead the league in that department. And man, right. That makes- it just opens things up for second down, right? Yeah, exactly. Second down becomes so much more manageable when you only have to get two or three yards. That that's when the 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 run play comes into effect. You know, if you're only getting three, four, five yards on first down, then you got to throw the ball a lot more on second down. And again, it opens up plays and opens up things you can do with it. So they've been good on first down. They've been pretty good converting on second down conversions because of that. The Eskimos are the best in the league on on second down conversions. So that certainly has helped getting all that yardage on first down. And that's a problem BC had last week. Uh, they just kept letting the, the, the uh, they just kept putting themselves back on the hook because they get the Stampeders in second and ten situations or second and long situations and Calgary was converting all night long yeah. in that football game and that's what killed the BC Lions. Well, you know, that and the fact... Close, but still lost because of that. That's right. They had an opportunity to win that game, which would have been the upset of the weekend. Um, the other problem, though, both teams seem to share is discipline. They, we, I, I'm not sure that Edmonton has properly fixed the problem with penalties and the last game was was incredible. Well, it was it was last game was much better. The game in Montreal was horrible. It was like seventeen penalties for almost two hundred yards. Yeah, there was a point uh, at which I think they had more yardage in penalties than they'd actually put on the field. Last week, though, they took uh, seven penalties for fifty nine yards, which was the okay. lowest totals of the season. So, uh, is that an aberration, or did they fix things? We'll find out tonight when they play against the BC Lions because you have to. You know, the Lions were in the same boat. They haven't taken a lot of penalties. The Eskimos have taken seventy. They lead the league in that department. BC's taken fifty four. But what BC's done and they've taken penalties at bad times. The yeah. last couple of mm-hmm. games, uh, for example, close games, 
right? Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but Odell Willis got caught in the Ottawa Red Blacks bench area, <laughs> ended up getting flagged for it, uh, and then sat down by uh, Wally Bono after that. That kept the Ottawa offense on the field. They ended up getting a field goal, I believe. Uh, they won by four points, so that's obviously a huge swing in that game. Last week, the, uh, the receiver put the ball down after a catch, and the defensive back, uh, Anthony Orange, just gave the ball a kick. Well, that's objectionable conduct. That's mm-hmm. like when Kenny Stafford dropped the football on a guy a couple of weeks back in the Toronto game. That's objectionable conduct. And that, instead of getting the defense off the field, that kept uh, Calgary's offense on the field. I believe they ended up getting a touchdown off that play, and they lost by eight. So penalties will kill you. You have to You have to be a – good teams don't hurt themselves. That's basically the message yeah. that Wally Bono has been, been delivering to his players. And uh, they took, they've taken penalties that have hurt themselves. The Eskimos uh, have done it, but they haven't – they're five and two, so you can't say the penalties are hurting them, right? Uh, they, they, they probably would have won the games or had a better chance in the games they lost, especially the Toronto game. But I mean, they've been taking penalties, but they're still winning and they're still five and two. So when you look at it, who are the penalties hurting more? A team like BC with the situation I just described, or a team like the Eskimos? They, the Eskimos have to cut the penalties. Yeah. That's, that, sure. that's that's they a fair point, uh, Morley. Yeah. Honest to God, that's a really fair point. It's just one of those wins that you're talking about was a what twenty-two point come from behind win. I mean, the Eskimos, and maybe this is just the Eskimos, the Eskimos find a way to make everything look hard. They got they got band-aids. They got band-aids. Yeah. Uh, they can put band-aids on everything and fix it, right? A lot of teams don't have the band-aids. The, big, the best band-aid mm-hmm. they have is Mike Riley, right? 21 in his career, 21 come from behind wins in the fourth quarter. He's done it a couple of times this year. Every game the Eskimos have won this year, they were losing at some point <laughs> in the game, whether that be in the first quarter or in the fourth quarter, and that's the whole thing. They got the band-aids to fix the problems, but Sooner or later, you're going to run out of band-aids, or the band-aid's not going to be big enough. And that's why you have to get the penalty count down, because it may not be costing you wins right now, but it's going to at some point if you keep doing it. So, Morley, let's uh, put a bow on this game tonight. What are the big keys for the Eskimos to come away with their fourth straight? Uh, well, I, I think the Eskimos are going to have to you know, go after the defense back of, of the BC Lions. They had a lot of success in that uh, the last time these two teams played uh, back in, what, week two or week three. Uh, they attacked former Eskimo uh, Marcel Young, who was replaced in that game, then benched and then released by the BC Lions over the next uh, couple of weeks after that. So uh, he's not there, but they still have to go after that defensive backfield, I think, especially after last week when, when Mike Riley didn't have his best game. He had, uh, you know, he only completed 13 passes for 257 yards, uh, all lowest totals of the season uh, for Mike Riley against the Saskatchewan Roughriders last week. So I, I think the offense needs to get back on track. But, you know, it's all going to come back down to, to defense as well. They're going to have to control Travis Lule, who is, uh, who's played pretty well since he returned to the lineup. And what uh, the one thing that Lule has done, the one thing that all great quarterbacks do is they make the players around them better. And all of a sudden, after a slow start with Jonathan Jennings at quarterback, Emmanuel Arsenault is, is, is ripping it up and scoring touchdowns and, and getting a lot of receptions and yards. So uh, Brian Burnham as well is kind of in the same boat. So uh, that's going to be the key. I know I've talked a lot this, a couple of times this week with uh, defensive coordinator Mike Benavides, and he has so much respect for Travis Lule, and uh, he knows that they have to stop him. Hmm. Yeah, there was it four sacks against Riley in the last game? Yeah, four sacks uh, doubled the total for the season. Yeah. They went in with four, gave up four. They've got eight now. But, I mean, that was also against the best defensive line in the yeah, football league with two of the best defensive ends. They'll have a, another tough task tonight because they got two tough guys to go against tonight, both former Eskimos, uh, Odell Willis on one side and uh, Sean Lemon on the other side <laughs> who will play his second game for the Lions tonight. And on the defensive line, is uh, Moore back in? 
Yes, Mike Moore will play. Uh, his first game, he got hurt in the game in Winnipeg, the, the long game to start the season. He had a great training camp, really played well coming out of camp. Uh, ended up getting hurt in that first game. He's been on the six-game injury list, but he's back and ready to go for tonight. Good stuff, Morley. Well, have a great show. Uh, I'm going to leave at uh, 4 today, but I think uh, you're going to check in with Morley again closer to 6 o'clock. 5.20, right? You bet. All right, talk I'll to you later. Like a plan. All right, thanks, Morley. All right, talk to you later. All right, still to come on this afternoon's show, we're going to uh, talk with Executive Director uh, Jim Gibbon, uh, Executive Director of the Heritage Festival. You've been hearing on our news all afternoon about the problems they're having with the city and storage of their uh, props and uh, what else would you call it? Uh, not everything. Props, everything. Everything yeah. that they have they, that they need to run that festival, they <laughs> now have to move that out. But... It sounds like there could be a solution. All right, we'll find out just after 3. And then uh, coming up after 3.30, we'll check in with the Edmonton Humane Society CEO, Miranda Jordan-Smith, uh, about uh, a, a really pretty cool event they've got uh, happening coming up over the weekend. We'll tell you more about that. Saw this story and uh, just loved it for so many reasons. Uh, it's uh, police near Orlando, Florida in a high-speed chase. Not that unusual, that part of it. No, especially yeah. in Florida, because yeah, that, as exactly. we mentioned yesterday, is a hotbed <laughs> it is. for stupid crime stories. <laughs> exactly. In this particular case, uh, police uh, spot a stolen SUV. This happened on Monday night. Three uh, people inside, uh, the driver, two passengers. They eventually uh, crashed the SUV into a ditch, and uh, two of them got arrested. But then the third, uh, Jennifer Kaufman, uh, she tried to get away on foot. She ran into a huge field nearby, which, you know, probably seems like a good idea. Of course, it wasn't for two reasons. Number one, uh, the police helicopter was on her tail, and so were about 20 cows. She jumped into the field, and for whatever reason, cows not known to be angry or vindictive, uh, but these were, they chased her through the field. We actually have the audio from the police uh, helicopter. Give it a listen. Hey, driver's bailing, still got a passenger in the vehicle. South and east of you, um, actually the large group of cows is following her for a good visual. Uh, looks like they may attack her. Well, it's your alert. I'm going to give him a flashlight. You can tell me where to go from here. Keep going southeast. Uh, she's uh, pretty far into the field now. Um, if you see the large group of cows, they're, they're literally following her and uh, chasing her. Coming down prisoner's side. All right, Larry, we got her lit up. Hey, Larry, Sanford. If one of y'all could go east on Celery, there's a driveway and it cuts to the south there. It might help. You know what, Andrew? What, Brad? One would say that hoofing it didn't quite work for her. It turns out they chased her all the way to a fence. Uh, where she escaped from the cows. And when she got past the fence, of course, police were waiting with open arms on the other side. She and her she and the driver are now both facing charges for trespassing, <laughs> <laughs> theft, drug possession, and resisting arrest. And if we learned nothing else from this story, in Florida, police will chase criminals until the cows come home. So another component with that story, and we've talked about this with stupid criminals before, because you started laughing as soon as you said she has been charged with trespassing. You know, on top of everything else she's already done, now she decides to trespass on a property. 
So just tax on, <laughs> I, I don't know, know another few so months stupid. or a couple hundred dollar fine or whatever it is, but just, just you stop s- your car. You and- see stories like that all the time where somebody, the police go to pull somebody over and they try to evade. And then there's, it turns out that the evasion or the, the resisting arrest is the only charge. There, yeah. There's nothing else wrong. Like, I don't know. Cops was classic for that. The show. Yeah. You know, sometimes they just, they'd pull over a car and the car would suddenly book it. And, you know, they'd go on the foot chase and they'd mm-hmm. arrest them. And they'd, you know, the guy'd be sweating and huffing and puffing and finally calm down. And he'd go, I honestly. Why did you run? That, you yeah. just, you just had a taillight out. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you were okay in the vehicle. And then you decided to drive, crash, run through a field. And now you're facing about seven to 10 years in prison when he, this person wasn't even drunk or not I even know. high. Sometimes, obviously, they were, you know, drunk out of their mind and sure. they did it because they had no better way well, of thinking but it's it's no different although less exaggerated have you ever seen anyone pass a police car no they, everyone always lines up behind them and slightly back into their blind spot every time that i've seen a you know there's a delay in traffic coming down any major road you're like oh because there's a cop up there and it's not the police officer's fault no no but everyone's like what are you so suspicious of that you can't pass a police officer they're going the limit, but they know that people are going to go sure. five or seven more than them. Yeah. They don't have the gun out the window. And I mean, the, the, <laughs> I the, speed, the gun, speed gun, yeah. you know, waiting for somebody to go 68 in a six, pull them over, pull them over. <laughs> they just, they're driving the speed limit because, well, they're the law. So they're going to follow the rules of the road. I, I, I saw uh, this actually speaking of uh, radar gun out the window uh, in Calgary, waiting to uh, turn left to go down the ramp onto Deerfoot. And I, I had my radar detector in because I had just come off uh, highway one and I was going to, you know, turn the corner and head up highway two. And I was just sitting there waiting for the light to change. And suddenly my radar detector just, squealed like just went crazy and I like I jumped and I looked and the police officer sitting next to me at the light had his gun pointed at me obviously I'm not speeding I'm not even moving but he's laughing his butt off (laughs) just like good morning that's a great story (laughs) thanks the 630 Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad